and the purpose why we've been made. Uh, God created us to worship him and to glorify him. So um, that's what we do when we gather together as the, uh, the corporate body of believers. And worship is not something we just do on a Sunday morning. Worship is our lives. Every aspect of our life is meant to be an act of worship, regardless uh, where we are and what we are doing. Let me get set up here. Okay, just um, oh, hang on, put this in place. If I gave you a choice today, if I gave you a choice out of these two things, you tell me what you would choose. If you could live on a uh, on a tropical desert island uh, with all of your food needs met in abundance with that uh, luxurious food, and health was never going to be an issue, you could uh, lie there in the uh, the sun, the surf, and the sand. But you lived in total isolation, totally on your own. That's one option. Or if I gave you another alternative, and that was to live in community with other people, but not on a desert island, just in normal suburbia, with life and all of its challenges, uh, but you're not alone. You're uh, in community. What would you choose? Would you choose a desert island of sun, sand and surf? Isolation, that might sound good for a day or two, or would you choose community, even though it's got its challenges and its dramas? I think you'd probably go for community, wouldn't you, after a while? Well, that's exactly what Jesus has planned us for and designed us for, is to be in community. And we're going to talk about that today uh, from, the, from Acts chapter 2. So if you want to turn your Bibles to that, we're going to just read a few verses from uh, 42 through to 47. Starting in verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes, they, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Uh, Lord, we give you thanks and praise today as we can come and gather together as community. And Lord, we would ask now uh, that your Holy Spirit would come and breathe life into this word. Just open up our hearts as we discuss and think about community uh, what you have planned, what you have ordained for us to be in as disciples who are growing and flourishing in Jesus Christ and through the gospel in gospel community. So we ask now for your help, Holy Spirit, uh, embed this and help it to go deeper into our hearts, the community that you've called us into. Uh, we pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, perhaps some of those uh, of you who have just joined us for the first time here in the month of February, uh, we are going through... Uh, what we're calling our Exchange Church Vision Plan for 2025. Uh, we put together over the last few months a vision plan for the next five years of gospel growth to see where Exchange Church can go uh, in God's strength, in God's power, to make a real impact, to call more disciples to come into a glorious relationship with Jesus. And the whole idea of this vision plan here uh, is to see Jesus Christ grow larger and larger within us as our Lord and Saviour, but also to see Jesus Christ grow larger and larger throughout the Greater Shepherd and Goulburn Valley region and also the world beyond. 
not just us here, it is us here, but beyond that as well, to see Christ go larger and larger. And what we've been doing through this month of February so far has been laying down some foundational principles that Jesus has given us, he's given them to us, to build healthy, flourishing disciples or followers of him. A couple of weeks ago when we first started, we looked at a primary purpose of the church, or what's our mission as, as believers in Jesus, and we saw there it is to bring glory to God by making disciples of Jesus Christ in a living and loving relationship. Not a cold, sterile relationship, but a living and loving relationship with him. A community of disciples who are learning about God. But this learning actually grows our love or fuels our love and our affections for Jesus. That's what we did a couple of weeks ago. Then, uh, last week, we then looked at uh, the primary tool for making these disciples to bring glory to God. And we understood it to be, from the scriptures, to be the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the primary tool that God has given to us to make disciples. It's the good news of the person, not just a sort of ink on pages, but a real and living person of Jesus Christ who's come to rescue and to save us. And we saw that the gospel not only saves us, it does, and that's glorious, that's wonderful, but the gospel keeps working in our life in a continuing process. The gospel keeps transforming us. It's the gospel from start to finish. The gospel is the primary tool that God uses to work in our hearts and lives to help us to grow as disciples. Now, as we approach this third week here, we want to step this out a little bit further for gospel growth, to see this gospel keep transforming us and keep growing us. There's other things that God has given to us as well that he uses, that he wants us to commit to for this growth. And the foundation we're going to lay today as we think about that is growing disciples through gospel community or through gospel communities, plural. So come with us as we see God's plan here now for growing healthy, flourishing disciples through commitment to gospel community. Okay, so this passage we've just read is really a classic picture of the early church community here uh, way back just after the day of Pentecost. The author of Acts is Luke and he's brilliant Throughout the book of uh, book of Acts, at least the book of Luke, the book of Acts, he did write the book of Luke as well, uh, in giving these little summary statements of the life of the church in these early days, and that's exactly what that little passage is that I've just read there. Uh, at that particular time, we're probably thinking maybe in the first hundred days or so. This is this is probably a summary of this point. Or the first hundred days or so after Jesus has ascended back to glory, the Holy Spirit has come down and filled all the believers. And we know at this point in time, if you look back up to verse 41, above where we were, there was at least 3,000 people following Jesus at this particular time. Well, I just want to quickly ask this question. What was the world like when the gospel uh, was breaking into that community? What was the world like? I think in many respects, the world was no different back then to what it is today. They were plagued with the same problems back then that we are plagued with today. Back then, there were class divisions between the rich and the poor. There were ethnic tensions and divisions all over the place and brooding. Romans, Jews, Greeks and a whole range of other people groups all mixed in together, creating ethnic tensions. Uh, There was the strong overpowering the weak, the strong exploiting the weak, the strong, as it were, taking advantage over the weak. Back then, that's how it was, and today really is no different. We might be a more... um, learned society and perhaps some of our technology and things, but the basic foundational problems in life have not changed 
down through the centuries. Put on top of that as well, for the people of that time, there's Roman occupation in Palestine at that place, where there's a strong sense where everybody must fall into line with Roman culture and the Roman way of doing life. And on top of that again, for the Jews, there's the synagogue culture and community as well, which provided solidarity for them. But again, it's all these overlays here of various community and cultural pressures. But onto that, we say, comes Jesus, the Son of God. He bursts into that scene and he calls a community of people to himself. He draws a community of people to himself. And he calls that community from amongst that larger community we've just spoken about in that Roman world of that time, already existing. He calls it from that now to himself. Now just to be clear here about this idea of the start of the church or the community, God's always been calling people to himself right from the dawn of time. From the very first moment of time, God has been calling people to himself. The church wasn't born at Pentecost. The New Testament church was born at Pentecost, but not the church. God's always been calling people to himself. And what the gospel did, it takes on a, a whole new clarity and dimension in the person of Jesus Christ. The Spirit, as it were, has empowered these people with love and boldness and courage and deep conviction about who Jesus is and what he's done. And here's what Jesus does with his gospel. He takes it and he forms a community of people, a community of disciples. And as we read in this passage here, we see the words there a number of times, four times actually, they and together between verses 42 and 47. And when you read that little summary passage there, if there's something that you get very clear is they were together. They weren't sort of individuals all sort of swinging in the breeze doing their own thing. They were a community gathered together as a group. And there's perhaps a word there that I want us to just focus on that'll help us think about this, this gathering, this, this togetherness or this community. And that word's in verse 42, and it's the word fellowship there. You see that word fellowship. What do you think of when you see the word fellowship there? What springs to mind? What thoughts come to you? Some might say, well, maybe fellowship's that thing we do after the service. We get a cup of tea and we stand in the corner or we take a seat in the chair and, uh, you know, we stand around and we talk about current affairs, we talk about the sport, we talk about who's going to win the Big Bash final and we talk about that century somebody made or we talk about the coronavirus and we might talk about uh, work even as well. We might talk about a job we've got coming up. Is that fellowship? Thinking, maybe that's it. Now, that type of talk isn't out of place after a service. I think it's a great thing to talk about those things because you might use that to actually uh, meet somebody for the first time and use that as a conversation opener, so to speak. And, and that's great for, for trying to get the conversation going. But that's not exactly what the word fellowship... Actually, it's not at all what the word fellowship means there. That's not the fellowship we're talking about. The word fellowship that Paul has written in that verse goes much deeper than just exchanging some pleasantries after the service over a cup of tea. It's a good thing to do, but what Paul's talking about here in this sense of fellowship goes way deeper than just a nice conversation after the service is over. What Paul means here is like a, a deep bond. A close personal association is in this fellowship, or it's a common union between us. Now, Martin Lloyd-Jones, a great preacher in the last century, said this about this particular word. He says, so what does it mean? Well, I've looked up the word and it means a deep association, a true communion, 
a close relationship of which the highest example is marriage. It is a word that is sometimes used to denote partnership in business. It is not just meeting occasionally in a church building, shaking hands at the end of the service or meeting and going home. That is not a church. No fellowship is involved in that. True fellowship is never anything superficial. It is deep. It is vital. It becomes the main thing in life. When people become Christians, they become one. They enter into this community. They are in family together. They are united by certain bonds that are indissoluble, says Martin Lloyd-Jones. It's a great picture there of fellowship, of true communion, of a close association, of a close bond. He uses the word there, marriage, and says that's an, ex an excellent example of what fellowship looks like. This is the community that Jesus has intended for us. Not that we're all married to each other, but it's like that. It's like that. Think about the beauty of a marriage relationship and what's it marked by when it's healthy and functioning really well? What, do you, what, what, sort of, what are the marks of a marriage? I think we could describe it like this. Loving, accepting, forgiving, encouraging, comforting, being accountable to each other and responsible, long-suffering, patient, generous, self-giving, seeking the good of others, strengthening, faithful, safe, trust, all those things are there when a marriage is healthy and functioning well. That's the sort of community that Jesus is building. A community where we actually can be together like that. He's forming this amongst us. And this is the fellowship that the early church fostered with each other through the gospel, through Jesus Christ. It was a place for them for deep, vital relationship. They were together. They shared things in life. Not just a few moments after the service on a Sunday, but they shared all of life together. All of their challenges, all of their dramas. Perhaps it looked a bit like this. Because the love of Christ had filled their hearts, and they are genuinely looking out for each other, they knew that they were a community that didn't really fit in with the Roman or Jewish community of the day. They were like a square peg trying to fit into a round hole. So what do they do? They comforted each other as they lived out the gospel, as they sort of come up against those challenges. When hurts or distresses were there, they actually got around each other and shared those hurts and distresses together. It wasn't just your hurt, it's our hurt. And as each other struggled with the daily issues of life, they would generously give to each other. And we see that in verse 45, how they were selling things, those who had excess, to actually make sure others went, uh, didn't go without. There was this commonness here of sharing life together. As a closely bonded community as well, they would have shared their struggles as well in battling against the sinfulness of their own lives dealing with their own internal brokenness and how it was trying to outwork its way through their life. I'm sure those who battled with lust or jealousy would find a safe and trusting community that is all together in Jesus. If their lives fell out of step with the gospel, they lovingly held each other accountable for Christ-honouring living. They would have spoken the truth 
in love to each other as they shared these challenges. And I'm sure in a community marked by such closeness and by such love and by such vitalness that nobody had to be afraid or overcome by shame with their mistakes, they could come to this community and bring their brokenness and find help and find comfort. They didn't have to travel that road of brokenness or sinfulness on their own. They shared everything together in this community. You see, this is the community that Jesus is building and graciously provides today. When we are born again, we are, as it were, adopted into that family, into that fellowship, into that community of togetherness. This is a community that Jesus put together by the cross. He made it possible by taking all of our sinfulness upon himself at the cross, ransoming us from sin and all of its consequences and the slavery to its addictions in this world to bring us together into this glorious community. And it is a glorious community. If you read anything of church history, you'll see some incredible strength that people found by coming together as the people of Christ. Just a few years after the New Testament church was born, there was severe persecution in Rome. I mean, serious persecution. The believers there were murdered wholesale. Uh, some emperors took delight in impaling Christians on poles, dipping them in oil and setting them alight to sort of light up the streets at times. Amazing persecution. So what the believers did was they built tunnels underground, under the city of Rome, and they met in this place called the catacombs. It was the only safe place they could meet without being killed or taken out. It was here, in these catacombs, they could not wait to get together. They could not wait to actually share life together underground, this safe place to meet, where they would be encouraged each other as they were going through the life and the struggles together. They longed for these gatherings in the catacombs, just to be with God's people, to receive encouragement and joy and to get together and to sing, and they did, they sung in these catacombs, to sing praises to God and to sit under the apostles' teaching and have their faith strengthened. This has been all of church history gathering together as the community of believers. This is how Jesus sustained the believers back then and this is how Jesus sustains the believers today. It's in gospel community. It's a great community. It's a really powerful thing that God's given to us. But let's ask this question, because we're thinking about um, Exchange Church Vision Plan 2025. Where does this fit in? How does this work as we think about unpacking this over the next five years? Well, if you read through our plan, if you'd like a copy of our plan, there are some hard copies down there. If you want a soft copy, I'll send that to you. But in our plan, in our vision plan, we have there community as one of our key values our key values here at Exchange. And in our growth areas, we have a section called being connected. Connected. So being connected in deep and vital community will, will be one of the ways, one of the ways that Jesus will help us to grow as disciples for his glory and then grow more disciples for his glory as well. Through community and through connection. And I see this, as I was thinking about it over the week, I see this being worked out in three different functions here as we come together in community. First one here is, community is a place where Jesus will grow us. Community is a place where Jesus will grow us. 
take the image of the body that we saw just earlier there. 1 Corinthians 12, the dot so, uh, read so well for us. What happens to a finger if we chop it off? You probably don't want to think about lunch only an hour or so away. But what happens to a finger if we chop it off? If we lost the finger in an accident, what happens to it when it's on its own? It's separated from the body. Short answer, dies. It dies, doesn't it? it loses colour, shrivels away, and eventually that finger decays. It needs to be attached to the body. It needs to be attached to the body to be healthy, active, and functioning. If it's not attached, it dies. It's the same. It's the same in sustaining and growing a disciple in Jesus. It's no different. The body or the community is the place that Jesus has made available for us for a disciple to grow. The gospel community is the place where he or she gets to meet with other disciples who are in a common bond of togetherness in life through Jesus and it's here where we get together to grow in our knowledge and understanding of the gospel. We learn together who Jesus is. We learn together what Jesus has done for us and we partner together in the transformational process. We sit together under God's word, allowing his spirit to grow that in our hearts in the wonder and the glory of who God is and the net result of all that is disciples who grow, disciples who mature, disciples who share life together. When we're connected together in community and we see the life of Jesus being outworked through other people like Dave, we see the transformation taking place in Dave's life, we see them growing and we see the Holy Spirit doing good things through them through change. When we see that change and transformation, what does it do for us? It inspires us. It encourages us. When I see good things happening in other people's lives, I'm inspired by that. I'm encouraged by it. It actually helps me to grow because I see the growth in somebody else. Now conversely, conversely, when we move away from gospel community, we somewhat cut ourselves off from that, but for whatever reasons that might be, what happens? Our spiritual health and vitality begins to shrivel up. When we cut ourselves off from the community, we just begin to go cold. Our sharpness in the gospel and how we respond to life's challenges when we're away from the community grows cold, it grows dull because we're not drawing the life that God gives to us through the community. And these challenges of life that come along and they always do and they always will, when we're cut off from community, these challenges knock us over oh so easily when we're away from the community. And I fear for many people sometimes when I see them actually begin to distance themselves from the community I observe their life from a distance and I truly get there, yeah, you're going through a challenge, but when you begin to distance yourself from the community, it doesn't help you. It actually makes life harder. The challenges seem bigger and the challenges seem deeper. In gospel community we grow. That's precisely how God has planned it. That's his ordained method of growth to grow in community. So in exchange, part of our plan there is, is we want to see people make Sunday gatherings a priority. Coming together in community a priority. We're asking people to set up your week in such a way that the Sunday gatherings become not negotiable. 
when I, when I plan my work at what I'm doing this week, it's just like, Sunday's done. Because I fear sometimes some people get up Sunday mornings, oh, I don't feel like it today. I might just go for a walk around the lake. It's not negotiable. Sorry, unless you don't want to grow. Then it is negotiable, sure. We, we highly encourage people to be connected into SCG groups, connect and grow groups, starting this week. Why? For more personal fellowship and community. The same, we will encourage you again to rearrange your schedule. I know we're all busy through the week and we try and cater for that as best we can. To rearrange your schedule to gather in smaller communities. Okay, CG's on Tuesday night, starts at 7 o'clock. Okay, I've got, I've got to make sure I finish work at 5 o'clock, give me enough time to get home, get organised and get there. Not, okay, I reckon I can work till 6.30 and I might just scrape through. Well, it depends how much you value the community. Do you want to grow? Or do you want to just shrivel up a little bit? We'll encourage you. Get connected. Why? That's where you'll grow. Another function here that works in community. Community is a place where God has called us to use the gifts and talents he's given to us. Again, the body image from 1 Corinthians 12 shows us beautifully what God is doing. Every person has a part to play. Every person has a part to play. Every person has a gift or talent to put to use that God has given them in the body. Every person is needed. Every person is valued. Every part comes together. Every part, not some of the parts, all of the parts come together to form the body. And when a part's missing, the body suffers because of that. Now we are thankful for all the gifts and talents God's given to us here in exchange. And they are all valued no matter who they are or what they do. You might think, well, Todd, you've got this really public gift up at the front. Yeah, I have. That's what God has given to me at this particular point in time. But it's no different to somebody who's serving cups of tea and coffee at the back for hospitality. It's really important. It's all gospel ministry. It's all contributing to making disciples. Every bit has its part. Every bit is needed. Every bit is valued here at exchange. And what this does, when we combine all these gifts and talents together as God's planned to do, the gospel community becomes an attractive place. It becomes a body or a group of people that actually become attractive. The believer, or the, sorry, the unbeliever or the outsider looks in upon this community and sees how every person comes together and they work. They do this in such a harmonious way. There's such a diverse range of people here from different nations and different groups. And that person says, actually, I want to be a part of that sort of community because I can see all these gifts and talents and abilities and different people and different walks of life and they all come together. It looks attractive when the community's like that. They're not a one-man band. They're actually a team. That's how the community is. And maybe this is your first time at exchange. Maybe this is your first time at a church ever and you're thinking the same way. Oh, I'm just not sure how these people come together and do this and how's this work? And maybe you're thinking, who is this Jesus? Well, this Jesus brings this community together. And we're so glad you're here today if it is your first time. God has given us gifts and talents to glorify him and to serve one another in and through the community. 
Here's the third function I see that comes out of um, community that God is doing. Another function is this. Uh, it's the raising up of leaders. You might think, hey, where have you got this from, Todd? It's the raising up of leaders to lead smaller communities. Look what Paul says here in Acts chapter 14. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in their faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So here's the picture here. We get the scope of what Paul's doing. He's forming many communities around the Roman world of that time. Paul's off on mission trips and he's planting churches. And what's he doing? He's appointing leaders in all of those various churches to lead them, to lead them in order and to lead them in growth. Now, for us to see the, uh, the Vision Plan 2025 uh, be fulfilled, we must do the same thing. As the church grows, as the community grows larger, we need to actually see more people raised up to help organise and, and uh, see this community be effective. Because what we have here this morning is the larger, as it were, corporate gathering, which is vital and which is needed. But as we break this down into smaller communities, which we do, within the larger community, because we have a whole range of other ministries which are like smaller communities within this community, and that are all committed to growing healthy, flourishing disciples of Jesus Christ, such as we have our kids' ministry happening right now at the back. We have youth, we have our Connect and Grow groups, we have our men's groups, ladies' groups, music team as well, helping to build disciples, and many other groups. And also we have other groups, God willing, that are planned, that will be for mission and discipleship. All of those groups contributing towards making disciples, which are smaller communities within the larger community, all those communities need leaders. They need people. People who can step up and play an active role in leading these groups to stay on task and to develop and to grow disciples. For example, we'll need to increase our number of Connect and Grow group leaders. We probably need another two or three right now. But God willing, as we see more people become disciples, which is what we want to see, we need to raise up more leaders. Leaders who get a vision of the gospel, get a vision of who Jesus is and say, hey, we recognise the talents and gifts that you've given you. We want to see you step up and lead. Because we're thinking here there's 67 people around Shepparton in the greater Goulburn Valley area that are yet to hear about Jesus and are yet to become disciples of Christ. And if we're going to have an impact upon that at all, we need people to step up within this community to become leaders of smaller communities which are all contributing to growing disciples. This requires organisation. You might think that should be a foreign word to a church. No, it's not. It's actually quite right. Organisation is to help us to be efficient and effective within the resources that God has given us. Um, when you go home today, look up Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7, and you'll see there a church getting organised being effective, being efficient. In that particular story there, the church is actually going in gangbusters. It's going off the charts. Uh, and the, the apostles, they are weighed down with all these things happening within the church. So they say, guys, we, we need to appoint some other leaders here to try and actually sort out some of these things so we can keep this growth going. 
So they appoint leaders within that church to help organise the church for it to be efficient and effective. Now one of the things I love here about EC is the number of people who have stepped up to leadership. But we'll be calling upon more people to step up into leadership. We want to see more leaders, more people step up. We'll be looking for people that God has gifted, we think, for the ability to lead in some of these smaller communities and smaller roles. And yet, they'll entail some training as well, because we want to help you sharpen in your gifts and skills to be more effective, to grow disciples who can grow a great gospel community that reflects Jesus Christ. So here's our vision as we think about that today and as we wrap this up now. We want to build a gospel community that glorifies Jesus Christ. That's the community we want to grow. A community that is closely knitted together in the love of Christ, sharing all of life together in deep fellowship. Where each of us, where each of us within this community are using the talents and gifts that God has given to us to be contributed to the community that will contribute to the glory of Jesus Christ. Raising up leaders to help this this community be efficient and be effective in growing healthy, flourishing disciples of Christ. We want you to be committed to this. Why? Not just to see attendance go up. It's not about trying to see the graph going up. We, we want to see more people come to Jesus, but it's not about that. We want you to be committed because this is God's plan for the church. Community is God's plan. It's what he's called us to. Do you know what heaven's going to be like? It's one big community. It's one huge community. It is one massive community from every tribe, tongue and nation all gathering around Jesus Christ and reveling in his glory. It's one massive community. And what we have today and what we are looking to build over these next five years is an opportunity to display that community today in our lives and in this region. So they too will see a glorious Christ who is calling our people together into community. So we're inviting you, get on board with this community. Work together with everything God's given to us. If you're called to leadership, take it by the horns as it were and say, I'll do this. So we will grow a glorious community that will, that will glorify Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Father, we thank you today as uh, we are able to gather together as the community of believers in Jesus Christ. Lord, for those today maybe who have gathered here with us that are yet to make a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe this morning, Lord, you've used something I've said to begin to just open up their heart and open up their eyes and open up their mind. I pray now that, Holy Spirit, that you would, as it were, just reveal Christ to them and that, Lord, they would say, I believe. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to commit my life to him. I want to be part of this community that Jesus is building together. God, I pray, please do that work today. Anybody in front of me, Lord, who's not yet a believer in you. God, I pray you'd help us to commit to this community that you have called together. It's not Todd Hall's community. It's not Exchange Church's community. It is Jesus Christ's community that he has called together. And he calls us to join this community to be a part of this incredible adventure of living and working for Jesus for such joy and gladness so that we can see more people come in this community 
to come into a living and loving relationship with him. I pray, Lord, equip us for this. Grow our hearts' vision for this. And Lord, may we see all of our efforts combined together. Lord, working as a group, sharing all of life together. That people would grow and they would flourish in their relationship with Jesus. Father, now I ask and I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.